0: Hi, this is Bev Bevan, formerly of The Move and ELO and Black Sabbath, now with my band Quill. And I'm really happy to be on the Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller.
1: Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream Podcast with listeners in 198 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Jim McCarty, the drummer for the Yardbirds, one of the original members of the Yardbirds, which was only one of the greatest fans of the British invasion era of the 1960s. They had a string of hits in the 60s, including For Your Love and Heart Full of Soul. I loved all of these songs and my band, my high school band played them all. The Yardbirds maybe is best known for having three of the greatest guitarists of the rock era In succession, Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, and Jimmy Page. How about that? We're going to talk with Jim about all of this. And in the middle of this episode, we are going to do a song fest, as I do with all my musician guests, where we've picked out a handful of the great songs that the Yardbirds did. And I'm going to ask Jim about them, and we're going to get the backstories and what really happened. And nobody else does this in podcasts. And you know that I like to feature one of my songs underneath the introduction and at the end of every episode. And what you're hearing right now, underneath this introduction, is a song that I wrote called Right Now from the album Miller Rocks. Why did I pick this song? Well, the Yardbirds were the quintessential 60s band. And Right Now is a song that I wrote that's got a 60s kind of feel to it. And I think it could have been in the Yardbirds set list. So I thought it was perfect. (laughs) So Jim McCarty, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby.
0: Great to be here, Robert. Very nice to be with you.
1: I'll tell you, every time I have a guy like you on that went through that whole British invasion era, as we called it in the States, I just marvel at what the experience must have been like. Just give me your, your your impressions. What was it like to be playing music on a world class stage at that point in time?
0: Ah, uh, well, especially in America, that was a big dream for us uh, British kids. You know, we'd seen all the TV shows and the movies and all the, uh, you know, all the westerns and all the uh, gangster stuff and the blues and all that stuff. You know, it was a dream for us to come over absolutely absolutely great and we were so excited you
1: know when we came it's so interesting because i've heard that same thing from other you know artists of the era that america was you know the golden place to be and in essence you know a lot of the british groups took american music and reformulated it and gave it back to us
0: exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, well, we did it. We 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 love the blues, you know, coming out of uh, Chicago and you know Tennessee and all that stuff. All those all those uh, great blues players, you know, Muddy Waters and but BB King, you know, Slim Harbour, You know, I don't have to reel them all off, but uh, we started to play their songs, and then we just wanted to make it a bit different, you know.
1: Well, you did, and you did a fantastic job of it. Okay, I want to hear the story about the formation of the Yardbirds. You know, here it is. It's the early to mid-60s. Tell me how you guys got together.
0: Uh, well, we were all um, in southwest London, in the suburbs, about, I suppose, 20 miles out of the center of London. And we used to hang out. Yeah, you know, This was like after we left school. We used to... Uh, hang out in a, a little pub in a place called Kingston, which was on the River Thames. And it was like a very bohemian sort of place, to pub. And uh, we'd meet to sort of art students and musicians, and we'd all get together and have a few pints, you know. And then um, it happened that uh, Paul Samuel Smith, the bass player, he was at the school with me, and we used to go to, um, to like a high school Hampton Grammar School it was called and then the other three they were they were all um from the art school in Kingston which was slightly different the art school stream was um you know i think for people that you know didn't really bother too much with academic stuff and wanted to wanted a let out you know to, to paint to go painting and things like that so it was originally top top topper was on the guitar who was actually a very good artist. And we had uh, Chris Treyer and uh, Keith Ralph, of course, the singer, and um, they they were all at art school. And then actually Keith Ralph and Paul had a little country blues band called the Metropolis Blues Quartet, they were called, and they used to play locally. And um, it was a bit sort of folky and Top Topham and Chris and myself started another band that was a bit more rocky. Uh, but the same sort of thing, you know, votedly got Can't Judge a Book and all those songs.
1: Yeah, you were playing cover songs back <laughs> then. All right, so oh, yeah. this guy, Topham left, and you brought in this guy named Clapton. How did that happen?
0: Well, Clapton was at the same art school as the other guys. They They, they knew him and he had a bit of a reputation. He, he played with a couple of bands, um, but he was still he was still a learner. But he had he had something about him, you know. He had a he had a, a profile already, sort of thing.
1: But he didn't have the Clapton is God kind of thing going on at that point yet.
0: <laughs> Not at that time. <laughs> it, it, it took about a year. It was pretty quick, though. It was quick. All right. Yeah he he he, he was he was very. Uh, he was very what's the word? Um, he was very dedicated and and uh, very ambitious, uh, and so he worked a lot on on his playing. and And he came and stayed with me one time, and um, I I got up in the morning to, have to get some breakfast, and he was already sitting there playing. You know, at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, with his cup of coffee. So he, he was very very uh, dedicated to getting those blues solos together
1: now i understand and correct me if i'm wrong that your first big hit which was for your love which i love i'll love to you with delight i'll give you time and pride though it that will excite i make making dream of me Clapton was on that one. Am I correct?
0: Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. But it it was around about that time when he was sort of getting a bit disenchanted with us. Maybe it was because we were, you know, I suppose he saw us as selling out. Uh, But we, we, we needed a hit record, you know, same as all the other bands. Of course. Just to just to progress. And uh, we tried various records that were bluesy, but they, they never really worked. They weren't really that commercial. And, and Pour Your Love with something else, you know, that was that was a bit different.
1: That was a great song. I have to ask the question, because you were the drummer. Did you play the bongos on that one?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Funny enough, the bongo player, uh, we, we played together. I mean, him and I played together on the track. He was a guy called Denny Piercy, and he was an amateur uh, bongo player, and he was a BBC presenter, which is a bit odd, you know. He presented uh, radio shows on the on the on the radio, and he did that as in his spare time.
1: (laughs) So you just grabbed him for that part on the song. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? I got to tell you, you know, at the time that that came out, when you heard the bongos on that song, I mean, you didn't hear any songs with bongos know, on the radio. It, it was so distinctive.
0: Yes. I mean, to be fair, it was on the demo record because we, we followed uh, a bit, the demo disc, you know, it was a, like a little acetate record. And that that was made by Graham Gulben, who wrote the song. And uh, so we had that demo. Actually, uh, we got the demo from a publisher that saw us playing with the Beatles at their Christmas show. <laughs> so he, he saw us, and he he had this song. He was trying to sell this song, and he thought, "Oh, this was this song would suit this band. So I'll I'll, I'll get in touch with their manager."
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's the way it worked back then. Now, this was around the mid-60s. And if I remember correctly, you did your first U.S. tour in 1965. Yes, yes. Tell me what that was like, to go to the States for the first time.
0: Well, it was a mixture because uh, we had a a mad, crazy manager called Giorgio Gamowski, who was a sort of a mixture of different European nationalities you know his mum was Swiss and his father was Italian or something and uh, anyway he he was a real crazy guy so he was trying to fix up our visas and he made a complete you know cock-up of it and so we had a lot of visa problems although of course it was very exciting for us because we came into New York and stayed in a skyscraper and saw all the American cars and then then we went to Hollywood. so we had a we had a good look round
1: were you on the Ed Sullivan show? That's what I want to know
0: No, we didn't do that we did uh we did a similar we did a similar show uh I can't remember what it was called like
1: hullabaloo or yeah, something hullabaloo, like that that's
0: it yeah <laughs> and it, it was always, it was always strange for us because they had actors um famous actors that have been in t v shows you know, like David McCallum. Right. And he was on the show doing like a song. (laughs) It was bizarre. (laughs) Uh, This guy's doing a song and dance, you know. I mean, he's a serious actor. (laughs) Very funny.
1: I guess it worked back then. Then after Clapton left, and I know he was into the whole blues thing and he went on to John Mayall's group, but then you you get Jeff Beck to join, okay? I mean, it's like you hit the lottery <laughs> twice. I know. I know. <laughs> so tell us about the Beck era because that was a big uh era for you guys.
0: Well, that was the best time for us and um yeah, we, we we yeah, we were lucky with Jeff, but we we already had that you know benchmark, so we had to have someone to live up to Eric, you know, as good as good as Eric. And he certainly was, but he was totally different to Eric. He, he wasn't um you know he wasn't a smart guy like Eric. He didn't follow fashion or anything like that. He had a dirty old uh, you know leather jacket on and long hair and all that. but he certainly could play and he seemed to uh go along with making these songs different, you know and bringing in all the different sounds and not really sticking to um you know the twelve-bar, or the or, or the way they they would be originally, and make it just just putting little things in that were that were good and they were different and uh, sort of way way out there.
1: <laughs> you definitely changed your sound. Maybe maybe kind of more psychedelic in a sense because that was what was happening at the time. Hi everybody, this is Robert Miller. My new single, "All of the Time." is a playful, whimsical love song. It's light and airy, and exudes the happiness and joy of being in love. The reviewers love it too. Melody Maker has given it five stars and calls it pure bliss, an intimate sound with abundant melodic riches. Pop Icon also gave it five stars and called it ecstasy. You can stream all of the time, on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or any of the other streaming platforms. The links are in the show notes to this episode, and you can download it from the pgsstore.com. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast and give us a nice review too, if you're so inclined. You can do all of that and check out all of our episodes by visiting our website at followyourdreampodcast.com i want to thank you for listening and keep on rocking you know what normally i do a whole separate section that we call the song fest but because we're talking about these guys and the songs that they were involved with let's just do some of the songs that we're talking about here so i think the first song that you did with jeff beck was Heart Full of soul yes which had that wonderful kind of fuzz type of sound on it for the guitar
0: where is she tell me
1: Tell us a little bit about that whole situation.
0: Well, that was another song. That was a a follow-up to For Your Love, another song by Graham, Graham Goldman, It was like a young young prodigy, really. He was a a young songwriter who wrote many songs, you know, for the Hollies and Herman's Hermits and all that. But the idea was that we were going to record it with a sitar player. So we got into the studio and sitting in the the vocal booth with, was a sitar player and, and a, a tabla player, you know, who they were sitting on the floor. So we did a version with the sitar playing, you know. And it, it sort of worked, but it was a bit, I don't know, it was a little bit lame, you know. And Jeff said, oh, I'll, I'll play it. So he played <laughs> He played it, it all came to life, you know, when he played the riff.
1: Yeah, I would like to hear that version with the sitar, okay? It probably exists in somebody's collection, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's out there. It's on uh, one of one of the albums, probably. Uh, it's on one of the albums somewhere.
1: All right. Well, that was a very distinctive sound. You know, you didn't hear too much in the fuzz on the guitar at that time. So it definitely exploded, you know, from from you guys to have that kind of a sound.
0: Well, yes. And uh, it it was suddenly very fashionable to um, to play music that was like Eastern, Eastern sounding, you know, Ravi Shankar and all that stuff. Uh, it, it, it was like the, the the vogue at that time, but it was it was nice. I always loved it. I loved that
1: music. Okay, the next one I think that came after that during the Beck era was Shapes of Things, which I always loved. Tell us about that one.
0: Well, that one we did when we were on tour. Um, but it was an early tour, maybe second or third tour. Uh, and we were in Chicago. And we went to Chess uh, Chess Record Studios in Chicago. And that was very exciting because that was where all the blues music came out of, you know. And... Um, we went in there, and we, we had a, a few ideas for this new song, uh, and so we started working, and w- w- we rehearsed in the rehearsal room. So, and we gradually got it together in in, in chess, and then we, uh, you know, overdubbed the guitar and all that stuff um, somewhere else, I think. Uh, but um, basically, the, we did the track in in chess, which was very exciting for us
1: i'm sure it was now this was an original song huh
0: yes this was this was a a, a very early original song that we got together ourselves so uh, yeah we were we were quite proud of that one
1: i got it okay next one that came during the beck era was over under sideways down another one that i used to love
0: Well, yeah, we got this idea. We were we were traveling to a show in England and we used to listen to a, 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 an old rock and roll show, you know, on the radio as we were going along. And um, they played rock around the clock. And we thought, oh, that's what a great song. You know, we haven't heard this for a while. And um, we thought, oh, let's do a boogie a bit like this. So we went in the studio uh, and actually Jeff played the bass. So Jeff and and myself laid down the the boogie rhythm uh, and we put a few changes in in the middle, you know, we changed the chords a little bit. But it was basically just rock around the clock. And then we went from there and we extended it and Jeff Jeff did that wonderful um, uh, riff at the beginning, which (laughs) I don't know where it came from. It just came out of nowhere, you know
1: he's a great player so it doesn't surprise me okay there came a point in time where beck kind of handed off the baton to jimmy page okay so you you hit the lottery for the third time with with jimmy and there was a period where you had both beck and page in the band that must have been awesome
0: (laughs) well jeff and jimmy were old friends you know they were teenage friends they'd known each other for ages and when Eric left, we actually did try and get Jimmy in, uh, but he was playing a lot of sessions in those days. He was doing a lot of um, studio work in London, and he, did, he didn't want to join the band. But when Paul Samuel Smith had had enough, which uh, which was a bit later, he'd uh, Paul was sort of very tired and wanted to do something else he didn't want to he didn't want to go on the road anymore he left and then i had this phone call with with jeff we said oh we, we've we got to ask jimmy now so so jimmy came in and he was happy to come in on bass at that time <laughs> to take uh, paul's place
1: oh man that's something okay so and there was one song i think that the two of them were on that became kind of a minor hit for you? Um, Happenings 10 years ago or something of that?
0: 10 years time ago, yeah.
1: Tell us about that.
0: I mean, eventually, uh, Chris Dreja, who was the rhythm guitar player, he he swapped he swapped onto bass because it was a bit stupid, you know. Uh, Jimmy played bass, <laughs> so Jimmy and Jeff played lead, which was uh, you know quite quite something. Um, it didn't always work, though. It was quite sometimes it was a bit too much, you know. To, and they were. They were um, trying to outgun each other all the time as well. You know, there's a lot of uh, competition going on because they were they were quite different temperaments. And then Keith Ralph and I had an idea for a tune and uh, we, we were doing a song about, uh, you know, about reincarnation and all this, you know. So we came, we, we had the basis of a song and we went in the studio with... with um, Jeff and Jimmy, and um, actually John Paul Jones played the bass on this track. And we went in and Jimmy taught up that, um, um, and then we put bits in and put the middle in for for Jeff and all that, and worked it all up. I, I I thought it was great, actually. Jeff did a great job.
1: It was a very cool song. And you know you're, what you're talking about now. It was almost like there was a takeover of the Yardbirds as the band transitioned into Led Zeppelin. Okay, so did that tell us how that affected you? Because for anybody who doesn't know it, like you just said, Jimmy Page was there. He brings in John Paul Jones. They bring in John Bonham. They want to call themselves the New Yardbirds. I, don't, I wonder how that affected you. And then they segue into Led Zeppelin. Where did that leave you?
0: Uh, well, I, we, we were part of that decision um, because uh, we got to a point where, where we were signed up to Mickey Mostert uh, as a producer. And we, we did some, you know, singles that weren't too hot, you know, because that was the day of the single. Everyone wanted to hear your single. You no know, albums weren't, weren't a big, weren't big selling at those days. And I think when when Jeff left, uh, he finally left because he, he he let us down on a couple of tours and things. After he left, which was just the four piece, and we we worked quite well, but, but we didn't have enough um, creativity really in the band to to come up with with uh, you know another great song. So we were looking to Mickey Most, and that didn't work. And then we just sort of got to a point where we'd had enough. of Keith Ralph and myself, the singer, so we said, oh, well, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. And so uh, uh, Jimmy and Chris were going to go on with the band, the other two, but then Chris got sort of shunted out somewhere along the line. I, I don't know quite the story, but he got John Paul in and then, um, you know, the other two and... That, you know, they they took over and they they started doing our repertoire, and they went from there and you know gradually got their own songs together and uh, uh, you know did did pretty well.
1: <laughs> That's an understatement for sure. All right, I know you came back and you you were playing as part of the Yardbirds again later on. Tell us about that point in time
0: well we we got inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame that was uh, when was that that was not uh ninety one or something like that and um that
1: must have been exciting
0: <laughs> yeah that was great that was a great night and of course we had a lot of a lot of people asking us so why don't you reform the band you know people would love to see it. So, I, I was in a little blues band at the time, and I was playing in, in a pub in London. And we'd been playing sort of old blues covers again. It was like the same thing happening. And lots of people came, and it was a big, uh, it was a nice energy and very popular. And uh, Chris Dreyer used to come and see us, Chris from the old band. And finally, we got a, a request from an agent saying, "Oh, why, why don't you reform the band and uh, we do some festivals, see how it goes." So we got a band together and started to play again, and it went from there.
1: Are you still doing that?
0: Yeah, I, 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 actually, I'm the only one now. <laughs> but we're 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 playing we're playing near you. We're playing in the Big E coming up uh, next month. Terrific. You know, the Biggie Festival.
1: Good for you. So now you go out as the Yard Bird, huh? Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's yeah. just you. <laughs> yeah, should be. Yeah. But it's a very good band. I mean, and it, it's a great uh, repertoire to keep playing, you know?
1: It's a fantastic repertoire. I have to tell you, you know, all those bands from the 60s that we, you know, discovered in the U.S that you all came through, you all, you know, were on the radio constantly. It was a wonderful era for somebody like me uh, who was coming of age musically to grow up in, because it was just one great band, one great hit after another. Like you said, they were all singles and it was not, it was not an album era, but um, you know, I, I had my high school band and of course we played everything that was on the radio. So we, we ripped off all their Yardbirds singles. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want to thank you, Jim, for being on. I want to thank you for all the music that you've given us. It's just a fantastic repertoire of music that the Yardbirds gave to the world. And you were front and center and part of the whole thing. So I want to thank you for that.
0: Okay, Robert. That's nice. Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
1: We're going to listen now to the song that started off this episode underneath the introduction. It's my song called Right Now. I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks so much, Jim. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at
0: com. And you can hear more from his band at ProjectGrandSlam.com and at ThePGSStore.com.
1: Well, I just didn't think that we shared all these tears. Yes, I just didn't think that we had all these tears. But I turned into go because it's taking us tears right now. I want good life with you. I thought that you wanted to. I hope that you see it through right now.